Welcome to the Loved Called Gifted podcast. This is your place to come for musings about spirituality, identity and purpose. I'm your host, Catherine Cowell. So I'm delighted to be joined by Hannah Lambert for this episode. Thank you very much for coming, Hannah. Thank you for having me. It's great. So you've got a reflection for us today, and we are recording, excitingly, from my bedroom. Oh, we are. Because I made a bit of an error earlier. We had a little lovely log fire. I thought we could record <laughs> in front of the log fire. But it's amazing how much noise that makes. It's like, oh, fire. It was so noisy. It's really noisy. <laughs> and then what would have been good, as well as the kind of the rumble of the fire in the background, was that occasionally there's like a log splitting. It sounds like somebody's being shot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we have decanted to the bedroom, and I'm just hoping that the kids who are sort of on either side aren't too noisy. But there you go. I, d- I don't think anything would be as noisy as the fire, to be honest. So. <laughs> And the sound of gunshot. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got a reflection for us and then we'll have a bit of a natter. Fab. Great. Okay, so this reflection is called More Pigment in My Paint. When I say the word pigeon, what comes to mind? Maybe running after a flock of them as a small child. Maybe the lady in Home Alone 2 feeding the birds in Central Park. Maybe, like me, you have a print of Picasso's Dove of Peace hanging in your living room, which your mischievous father-in-law has nicknamed the Pigeon. When I say the words elephant's breath, what comes to mind? Maybe a trip to Marwell Zoo on a cold winter's day in 1994. Maybe a David Attenborough documentary watching the intimate bond between a mum and a baby elephant. Maybe a -a once-in-a-lifetime safari watching a herd of elephants journey across the grasslands of Africa. When I say the word railings, what comes to mind? Waving a child off at the gate on their first day of school. Maybe the love bridge in Paris where thousands of padlocks declaring undying love are chained to the railings each year. Or maybe Miss Nell, the suffragette who valiantly chained herself to the metal railings outside the Prime Minister's front door as part of a long battle to win women the right to vote. Or maybe pigeon, elephant's breath and railings bring farrow and ball paint colours to mind. If that's you, I see you. In an attempt to make my house look like something from a Homes and Gardens magazine, I've spent a small fortune on paint samples from said paint purveyor over the last few weeks. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, the Apostle Paul tells us, which is all good and well until you're trying to renovate a 1930s semi or choose which air fryer to buy or decide which National Trust property to visit. While I appreciate the quality of a tiny, albeit extortionate, sample tin of Cornforth white paint, and while I won't say no to a chicken nugget cooked in six minutes in a Ninja air fryer, And while I love a trip to some manicure gardens as much as the next person, quite frankly, I need more. I'm longing for more pigment, more depth, more beauty, more seasoning, more heat. I am longing for more Jesus, 
more of him in my thoughts, in my conversations, in my parenting, in my friendships and in my future. But setting my mind on kingdom things and things above might mean thinking less about earthly things. Maybe Paul had a point after all. It is so terribly easy to be distracted by the superficial beauty of a middle-class life. One with a nice house, decorated in subtle grey, with just a tiny hint of Jesus. Is that what I really want? Is it Farrow and Balls? No, that's great. So I'm I'm wondering, Hannah, what it was that sort of prompted that particular reflection. What was going on in you? So since the beginning of the year, we have been on a on a bit of a quest to renovate our house a bit. And so I think when you're decorating, I mean, I, I'm not a, I'm not one of those people that walks into a room and says, oh, it needs to be this colour and that's that. I'm really, really not very good at decorating and stuff like that. So I buy a thousand paint samples and I want everybody to help me decide what to choose and what to do and unfortunately on this occasion I chose one pot of paint um, that unfortunately looked bright yellow when I put it on the (laughs) wall and so I had to repaint it after the new carpet had gone down which wasn't the wisest thing but but I think it it just struck me kind of in the new year how much of my conversation was related to paint colours and air fryers and just things that just seem really earthly not terrible things at all not you know it wasn't I think I referenced that verse from Colossians which Paul says set your mind on things above not earthly things and it wasn't like I was getting involved in these awful conversations about terrible things that later on Paul goes on to reference in in that book but it just felt like so many of my conversations were just a bit more superficial and I would meet with Christians and and walk away just feeling like, hang on a minute, we all love Jesus. <laughs> like surely our conversation must revolve more around him and more around matters of the heart. And I know, you know, Catherine and I have been talking about matters of the heart today and and that the deep stuff, the deep mm. stuff within the deep work that Jesus is doing, the the things, the kingdom things and the things above. And yet I've felt like the last six weeks have been very full of earthly things. Not terrible earthy things, but earthly things like air fryers and paint colours and William Morris blinds and and all of that stuff's okay. You know, I'm not saying that, that you know, a trip to being cute to look at all the paint samples is bad at all, but I have just got to that point where I think, I want more depth in my mm. conversation. I want more of Jesus. I want more. I don't think challenge is the word because I don't think it isn't always challenge, is it? You know, sometimes it's just the deep love of Christ that mm. we need an awareness of. But, but yeah, just something something deeper. Yeah. So there's kind of a, a yearning for something. Yeah. I can really identify with that sense that you kind of get absorbed by sort of just doing the doing of life and not having the opportunity to kind of go deeper. And I, I do wonder how much of that is sort of personality because some of us are much, much more drawn to sort of the concrete stuff. I'm much more interested in sort of the concrete, the day-to-day, and others of us are much more interested in kind of ideas and concepts and the big picture visionary sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so if your life is just consisting of paint chart and there's no opportunity for the deep conversations then that can be really sort of frustrating 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are absolutely times to talk about paint colours and <laughs> more superficial things, just because sometimes it isn't appropriate to go into what is Jesus saying in your deepest, darkest thoughts? <laughs> and there will be people that are naturally more inclined to go deep quickly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there will be situations in which it's more appropriate not to do that. So I live in Manchester and Catherine lives in Stoke. So I was on the drive down and listening to some of the Book of Acts in the Bible. I don't do that all the time, by the way. It's just, I very rarely drive anywhere on my own. So I mm. thought oh, I might as well <laughs> make the most of it. Plus, I listen to Radio 4 and there's some slightly weird drama. You know what Radio 4 is like? Sometimes there's just a really weird, <laughs> like <laughs> outer space weird alien drama. Anyway, it wasn't for me. So, anyway. so yeah, so I decided to, <laughs> so, um, to pull over, turn off weird Radio 4 drama and decided I would use use some of my drive time to listen to the Book of Acts. And I love the bit in Acts 2 where it says, and they met together and listened to the apostles' teaching and prayed together and worshipped together. And I just thought, oh gosh, actually so many of the times when recently I've been with a lot of Christians together, and maybe it's where I, I've been at, where maybe I've been more concerned with my flower and ball paint colours. And so they're, they're the conversations that I've attracted. And I think there's definitely some of that. But I think what, you know, what were those early church Christians talking about? What was the depth of their conversation? Mm. What on earth were they praying about for all that time? What were the apostles teaching? I'm just thinking, gosh, actually, I'd really like to experience more of what the early church experienced in terms of their kind of, it feels like quite a focused way of really pursuing Jesus in their mm. times together, rather than it being predominantly surface level. Yeah, so you've got a real longing for something deeper. Yeah. Yeah. It puts me in mind of that bit in Ecclesiastes, which says that God's placed eternity in the hearts mm. of people. Yeah. And we sort of, naturally have that longing for something deeper there's a question isn't there about how you get to that and there's i'm kind of thinking in in a couple of different directions one of them about how do we sort of wake up to god's presence in our everyday lives amidst the pharaoh and ball paint charts how do you sort of find that because actually there is there is something of the divine everywhere all around us yeah so just before we started podcasting i was reminded of a plaque that i've actually got up in my bedroom and it says bidden or unbidden god is present so some of that depth is about finding god in everything but that requires a kind of a focusing in a slightly different place i think but i'm also reminded of this poem this is it's called the bright field by rs thomas he writes this I have seen the sun break through to illuminate a small field for a while and gone my way and forgotten it. But that was the pearl of great price, the one field that had treasure in it. I realise now that I must give all that I have to possess it. Life is not hurrying on to a receding future, nor hankering after an imagined past. It is the turning aside like Moses to the miracle of the lit bush to a brightness that seemed as transitory as your youth once, but is the eternity that awaits you. It's beautiful. Yeah. And in that, there is something, isn't there, about 
about the God who is with us. And there's a question about what needs to go on kind of within us and the way that we're sort of connecting with the world that helps us to to have a deep connection with God in the midst of everything. Yeah. As well as in the kind of the turning aside and the intentional, let's actually have a deep conversation. And I think it, what I liked about that poem is the words, life is not hurrying. Mm. You think, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I think, gosh, these, you know, I know, it, it's funny, isn't it? When you're putting paint on your walls, you're thinking, in five years, these paint colours are going to be horribly outdated. Mm. And, you know, when I put that paint on my wall that felt yellow, it felt like the magnolia that the 90s was painted in to paint over the purples that we all went for for a while. And, you know, the air fryer is the current kitchen trend that was once the slow cooker, that was once the bread maker. And I think, actually, earthly things are hurrying. They're trends that the latest pram for your baby or the latest jeans, which apparently are, I don't, I don't even flares at the minute or something. I went to Levi's and they said, yeah. I said, oh, what jeans are going to be next? And they said, oh, skinny jeans are coming back in. I thought, skinny jeans have never gone out for me. <laughs> I stood there wearing skinny jeans. But aside from skinny jeans, you know, these are earthy things. are often things that change and life goes on and fashions change. And, and actually the things above are the things that are less changing that we can forget about and we can, you know, like the rising and setting of the sun which happens every day and happened the same 40 years ago when I was born as, as it does today. And I think sometimes to stop and look for God in the things that are less transient is really important. Don't you think it's both, though? Because there are mayflies and there are mountains. Yeah, yeah. And, and our, we change, don't we? And our lives change. And actually the fact that paint colours change and suddenly five years later they look outdated mm. and you want to kind of move with it. I, I think you can find God in all of that. Yeah, you can. You're right. And yeah. that thing about hurrying or not hurrying. Well, I, it's, there is something about saying, well, what is the natural pace at which I would live my life? And let me welcome God into my natural rhythm, as well as challenging my natural rhythm and doing something different. So I would say if I was like, if I'm doing spiritual direction and talking to folks about like what works for you in terms of your prayer life, what are going to be the things that you lean into? If somebody is naturally running at 50 miles an hour, well, trying to go for a slow, sedentary walk ain't going to do it. Maybe you need to meet God on your run. Maybe you need to have a proper march. Yeah. I mean, there have been times when I've kind of gone for a walk with God and it's been an absolute stomp fest, you know? <laughs> like I'm really kind of going for it and, and feeling God in that energy, in the energy of my body. and the Not that I'm often that energetic, but, you know, the energy of that kind of really want to embrace the world. And then there are other moments to step back and your bright field doesn't have to be like at slow motion if you're not a slow motion kind of person yeah, I don't think that's good yeah we don't know that R.S. Thomas came upon the field slowly he might have been jogging past it maybe that's the point maybe. of the poem maybe he had a lycra on and was <laughs> it? he might be pre-lycra it, was- it does sound like he's pondering poetically but you know what I mean yeah then I was thinking about what you were saying about conversations mm. and and the fact that quite often conversations, even in situations that are 
labelled as Christian sometimes kind of don't get to the heart of things. Mm -hmm. And there is something, isn't there, about saying, well, what is it that means that we don't open up to one another at depth? What is it that makes that difficult? Because there is something really beautiful about spending time with other people who are journeying and growing spiritually and actually listening to one another and listening to what is happening kind of deep within and what are we thinking about. But I've been in a lot of settings where there isn't actually space for that and where sometimes the vulnerability isn't allowed. So I'm remembering from years and years ago going along to a friend's house group and I'd really been thinking about the struggle that I'd had as a young new Christian being open and vulnerable. And I was part of a fairly sort of traditional conservative evangelical kind of church. And they did quite a lot of inducting of their new believers. And I felt like a really bad Christian. And at one point, there was a conversation that I'd had with um, a youth leader person. And she just happened to say, you know, when you're first a Christian, often your, your spiritual life is really up and down. And because I had been surrounded by people who looked so perfect, it was a huge relief. I was like, oh, thank goodness, I'm not the only one. And and I was determined. I was so excited about this kind of revelation that I was all right and I was normal. It was okay for it to be difficult sometimes and ecstatically mounted top at other times. And I was so excited about this that I thought the next time that I met for these one-to-one sessions I was having with the pastor's wife, I would tell her. But I couldn't because there was something about her and her sort of the vibe that she gave off, which was really this kind of perfect Christian vibe. And although I had this story, and it was the most precious thing that happened to me that week. I was like, I ain't telling you that. In the years that followed, I just thought, I don't want to hide like that because probably there are other people who are also struggling. But unless somebody opens their mouth and says, I find this difficult, nobody's going to. And I, I tried it once at um, like a house party when I was a student at university. You went away, kind of the Christian Union went on a house party. And we were in groups to discuss quiet times. And I said, I made this enormous revelation. You won't believe how honest I was. I said, sometimes I find quiet times quite difficult. And there was silence in my little group. <laughs> <laughs> like pin drop silence. And the person who was facilitating it said, it's very brave of you to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it was, I don't think it was that brave. No, I don't think it was that brave. (laughs) (laughs) But but that just is a bit of an image of kind of how perfect everything sort of looks and sounds. And so I went along to this house group and somebody was talking about prayer and I just talked a bit about how flipping difficult I found it. Mm. And then everybody else opened up mm. and talked about it. And my friend afterwards said, do you know, I think that's the most honest house group we've ever had. Yeah. But it took somebody yeah. to take the risk of being vulnerable yeah. and being open and kind of leading the way. And I think that that word vulnerable, I mean, it, it's a slightly cliched word these days, isn't it? But I, I do think it's so critical and our response to vulnerability as well yeah so i think you know in one breath we want people to be vulnerable and to be honest and to be able to have the space the safety to open up but i think also in our 
in our response to that. And you don't want somebody who is prone to vulnerability oversharing in a in an environment that's not appropriate to do so. I think I think there are sort of there's there's a real gift of facilitation within yeah. those settings, especially, you know, a more formal setting of a house group or like you said, the house party weekend or anything that you went on, of having people who are able to hold hold these conversations well and yes. encourage people towards Jesus, not for people to come in with judgment and, you know, and oh my goodness, why has that person said that? And yeah, I I think it is, it it is a skill and it is, it's a discernment, isn't it, that we need to have when we're in those spaces and those environments. But I do think vulnerability is key and, and almost have environments where that's the expectation that actually we're going to come together and we're going to be open and honest and we're going to be comfortable with imperfection and questions and I'm not sure how I feel about this yeah absolutely I and there is there is something about how do you set an environment that does that and I don't think that every environment is safe for it so years ago I managed a speech and language therapy department and as a new manager, I was really looking for spaces where I could talk honestly about some of the struggles because it isn't easy. You know, none of those roles are easy. And there were some settings where you would go and think, oh, thank goodness, there are other managers here. And it within within the hospital trust that I was part of, it was kind of other therapy managers. And I'd go along to a meeting and think, oh, yes, I'll be able to talk to these people. But if I showed a chink, then they used the the my colleagues would use that as an opportunity to expound their advice to me or explain how their department was so much better. And then I thought, oh, there's a speech and language therapy managers meeting. And I went along to that and I thought, these people will talk. But just as you were talking about kind of situations where nobody gets beneath the surface, mm. nobody was admitting to any level of vulnerability. Yeah. And so in the end, I set up my own meeting and I took donuts and I... I was the person hosting the space. And so I was able as the host to ask for other people's advice and to share. And I think because that was the first thing that I did and I got some fabulous help and advice and support, Mm. which was great. But there was something about creating an environment that was safe and having the courage as the holder of that space to actually say, can I share with you something I'm finding difficult, meant that that space ended up being quite different from some other spaces. Mm. But there is something about how you how you do that, particularly if you're holding a space. It's not about kind of getting therapy from everybody else, but yeah. it is about well, sometimes it might be actually, but it's about the kind of the the honesty and being the one who takes the conversation a bit deeper. So what I hear from that, Catherine, is if you want to be in spaces with more vulnerability and honesty, mm. create it yourself and bring donuts because donuts are the key. <laughs> <laughs> To guessing anyone to tell you anything. <laughs> I, think, I think I think other baked goods are available. <laughs> we'll be non-discriminatory in, yes. our, in our baked products. <laughs> I don't think donuts are magic because I know that there are. Yeah. I was listening to somebody talking about kind of sort of new ways of doing church and they were joking about the fact that sometimes people do old ways of doing church but they bring donuts and expect <laughs> it to be different. <laughs> so yeah maybe not that's i think what was it i think it was something about in the confines of a 
grotty NHS sort of <laughs> meeting room, bringing yeah. something yeah, that added a bit of, yeah. and something that added yeah. a bit of kind of personal space. Because yeah. to be honest, in the NHS at that time, you'd be lucky if you got custard cream, you know. Desperate times. Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, I mean, don't knock a classic grid. No. <laughs> but yeah, no, I do think I do think there's that creating the spaces that you want. Yeah. Be the change yeah, you want yeah. to see in the world is that, you know, that actually if, if we want those forums for vulnerability and to go deeply to facilitate those spaces where people can. And, I, you know, I know we were talking earlier, there's a, a mutual friend of ours who is, you know, you go from naught to the deepest, darkest secrets of your heart in about 0.8 seconds because <laughs> <laughs> she's one of those people that you can go deep quickly with. And, yeah. you know, um, and actually there's other people that, that don't share that same desire to, or, you know, maybe they do with other people. I, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? But I think just in terms of when you're specifically in a context of other Christians, my desire is for those spaces where we are having those mm. Acts 2 meetings where we're in fellowship and we're gathering together is to get beyond the paint colours and mm. to get to the deeper matters of the heart and be, be that in a formal or informal context. It doesn't always have to be in a arranged thing. It can be a group of friends having a coffee, can't it? You know? Oh gosh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, absolutely. Or going out for lunch or going for a walk. Or wearing lycra and jogging past fields. So. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think you're one of those people who particularly connects with God in the context of conversation with others? Is Absolutely. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And I think we've done a podcast before talking about my increasing acceptance of me as a people person. Yeah. And actually, you know, I really do. Um, that is a, a real way that God connects with me through conversation, through interaction with other people. When I kind of hear from him and see him in the context of socialising. And from our conversation earlier, I I really get the sense that God really spoke to you through interaction with the Valspar paint woman. Yes. Wonderful calf. Yeah, brilliant lady called Kath. Hit 60, dyed her hair, took up boxing, got a sleeve of tattoos, <laughs> ended up getting arrested for accidentally telling someone that she was going to kill them and their adult children. Um, she didn't mean it. <laughs> I think she was on some painkillers at the time or something. Anyway, ends up in prison after bonding with the, in- the entire police force of <laughs> whatever police station she ended up in. They said, oh, Kath, would you like some reading material? And she said, yes, please, a murder mystery, <laughs> which, I just thought, <laughs> which I thought was absolutely brilliant. But, but yeah, just, you know, but I, I loved that kind of, I did. I saw Jesus and Kath, and I'm yeah. not saying Jesus is getting arrested and asking for murder mystery. Books, I think he did get arrested. He did get arrested. I'm not sure he was into murder mystery. There's no mention of this marble, but he did get arrested. <laughs> there is a bit of murder mystery in the Bible, isn't there? I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I love seeing seeing God move in those random conversations and those. So what? Of... So what was it that you saw in Kath? that God revealed something through? I think I think it was a, it, you know, for Kath in her way, it was there has to be more to life than this. You know, she mm. hit 60 and went, I can be braver. I can yeah. be bolder. I can be more confident. Admittedly, that boldness that she adopted in her 60s did end up in a police station. 
but she wasn't arrested for long. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but I did, I met her and I thought, gosh, actually, you know, we're, we're literally bonding o- over the Valspar paint counter, over knockoff Farrow and Ball colours, because no one actually pays for Farrow and Ball, do they? They get it mixed by Valspar, because, you know, that's what, <laughs> that's what you do. Um, <laughs> but, but I thought, you know, we're here talking about paint colours, and yet here's a woman who says... I want more from life. I mm. want, you know, in her context, for more was a parachute jump that she's planning, taking up boxing and a sleeve of tattoos. And I, I walked away just thinking, yeah, Jesus, I want more. I want, I want more of this yeah. life. I want yeah. more fulfillment. I don't mean that in a kind of selfish, kind of hedonistic way. I mean in a fulfillment in walking with the author of creation and mm. and doing life more intimately with him and encouraging others to do the same and just by sort of going under the surface a bit more and trying to be a little bit more intentional and having those spaces for deeper conversations and digging at the heart a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, and really listening to that invitation that often comes out of that, I really want something more. I think that is a real kind of invitation from the Holy Spirit to go deeper Mm -hmm. and to to seek them all and see what it is that God is wanting to draw out of you. So yeah. And I think I think for me, the distractions from going deeper are often earthly things that are good. You know, they're the paint colours and the mm-hmm. kids and the family and the, you know, meeting with people and, and doing good stuff. But but I think it's so easy to get caught up in that world and forget to take time to dig deep but that is god's world i think and it it interests me that actually although you're saying that's the kind of the surface stuff Mm. it was in the midst of getting your paint colors mixed was that you met cat yeah who was your bright field your burning bush on (laughs) yeah (laughs) to take a step away and to find god within that yeah so amongst your farrow and ball paint colours yeah. and and the decorating and the dealing with the kids, there will be those moments. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes, certainly for me, the more intentional spending time with God is really the thing that primes me to the depth of reality in the rest of the day. Yeah. So the taking some time aside, however that looks, yeah whether that's going for a walk, whether that's reading the Bible a bit, whether it's having a coffee and taking your journal, all of those things. It doesn't matter what it is, but if you're kind of out of the stream of it, then having those times, I think, then can prime you for finding God in the rest. Primer. We're all it's about primer. Pain. It's all primer. about pain. It's all about <laughs> It's all about pain. But, yeah, no, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's, I guess it's taking time to tune in intentionally so that you can unintentionally tune in for the rest of the day. Yeah, and being aware that sometimes you haven't got time to do, like, deep tuning in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, sometimes it is just, okay, I'm going to stop. And if you've got three minutes to stop and be with God, then be with God for three minutes. Waiting for the ideal moment, particularly if you're busy, isn't always going to happen, is it? Well, I wish you well. Thank you. (laughs) Seeking something deeper. Yeah. And never decorating again. <laughs> My house in 20 years is going to be the same colour as it is now. Is it? Trends or no trends. I th- I'll just wait for it to come back round again like skinny jeans. Because <laughs> it will. <laughs> I was a 
suspicion that the I'm never decorating again in my life might be optimistic. Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) I I have a suspicion you might be right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Hannah. Thank you for having me. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Loved Called Gifted podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email lovedcalledgifted at gmail.com. You can find a transcript of this podcast at lovedcalledgifted.com. And that's also the place to go if you're interested in the Loved Called Gifted course, or if you'd like to find out about spiritual direction or coaching. Thank you for listening. <laughs>